Welcome. Welcome to, Welcome to Education on, on Tap. Welcome to Education on Tap, a podcast brought to you by Teach for America. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Education on Tap. I'm your host, Aaron French. This week's episode is something a little different than what we normally do. Instead of just a one-on-one interview, I wanted to weave together a story that highlights a real problem facing many students in our communities and one particular organization that was founded to combat it. I'm hoping to produce more of these kinds of episodes in the future, so give me a shout at educationontap at teachforamerica.org or tweet at teachforamerica, hashtag educationontap, or at me directly at French with any feedback or story ideas you have. Now, on to the show. I became aware of the School Justice Project, which I'll explain here more in a bit, when co-founder Claire Blumenson spoke at a team retreat here in Washington, D.C. She brought along one of her early clients, too, and that's where we'll begin today's show. Dimitri is in his early 20s, and he's just now getting the opportunity to fully work toward earning his high school diploma. Well, I grew up in Washington, D.C., Northeast. Um, basically, uh, parents was on drugs and stuff, uh, in and out of juvenile detentions, detention centers, you know. Uh, and as I got older, you know, I got wiser, you know. Um, I really I, I really wanted to get my education, and, you know, it was— and I went to, I went to every high school, basically, in Washington, D.C., especially I went to uh, Anacostia High School— uh, they did. They denied me, and you know I kept going there, and you know they kept denying me. So it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong for a school to deny a student that has an IEP. IEP, that stands for Individualized Education Program, and according to Wikipedia, with verified sources, of course, it's mandated by the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. Basically. The document defines the objectives of a student who presents with a disability. It describes how the student learns, how the student best demonstrates that learning, and what teachers and service providers, including school districts, will do to help the student learn more effectively. Turns out, the fact that Dimitri was being denied from school is a violation of federal law. Enter the School Justice Project. So School Justice Project is a special education legal services nonprofit. And what we do is um, work with young people ages 17 to 22 um, with special education needs who are involved in either the juvenile or criminal justice systems. Um, We're an organization dedicated to ensuring that um, all students' education rights are enforced um, under both local DC and federal law. I met Miss Claire at um at a uh, juvenile detention center. Um, I was on the um I was upstairs and I had a, a call for a legal visit and um I went downstairs and um that's how I met Miss Claire. You know she uh she was going through my records. You know and it was a lot of stuff that was incorrect. And since then she told me, Mr. Easter, we have a lot of work to do. Obviously, Dimitri is only one student. And School Justice Project is one organization with only one location here in Washington. 
I started to wonder how widespread this problem is or if this is something that is actually just more localized. This is a pervasive issue and one of the largest education issues um, that students are facing. Um, and part of that is because it, it, the issues often get obscured um, because the students are being transitioned in between juvenile detention facilities or into adult facilities. Um, at School Justice Project, we call this the sort of second pipeline. Um, and the idea is that these older students really don't fit into the traditional school-to-prison pipeline movement, right? They're older. This isn't their first brush with the juvenile system. Um, they may be incarcerated in juvenile facilities, and they're, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. Um, and really, these students are being funneled directly into the adult criminal system. And that's because of the lack of focus on their education and the lack of reentry services available. Um, uh, in a lot of ways, their um, stories are often untold. Um, they're the data collection systems that we have through the criminal and juvenile and education um, agencies really don't capture uh, these students' experiences. You know, you have juvenile facilities um, and juvenile justice agencies that are collecting data on students who are under age 18. That doesn't capture their stories. Then you have criminal justice systems that are collecting data on older students, but not from an education standpoint and certainly not special education. They look at GED, they look at workforce development, but they're not looking at the number of students in adult criminal facilities who have special education needs. Um, and then with the education agencies, they're really not looking at students who are incarcerated. And so you have this data gap and, and these students falling into this sort of fissure, right, where um, there's not a lot of information on them, their stories aren't being told, and there aren't services in place um, that are really geared towards these students. So, I mean, the, the problem is rampant. And the reason why we felt um, that we needed to create an organization to address these issues is because there aren't organizations out there across the country who are um, working with this older population and, and using special education law as, um, as the sort of starting point for representation. So um, the Dimitri's story, um, like every story, is unique, but there are a lot of similarities and, and the sentiments that he's expressed are echoed through countless clients' experiences. Claire mentions a lot about the mix-up in data. Dimitri was in different detention centers in different states that took different records. The left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing most of the time. The school systems will have one policy, like not taking partial credits, but then the juvenile justice agency will have a policy where they send students out to um, facilities that will only give them partial credits. And so you see there's this sort of um, this overlap where the students will never be coming back from juvenile justice facilities with full credits, and yet the education agencies aren't going to be accepting them because they're not full credits. That means Dimitri's rights and his education were largely lost in the mix. Schools continued to deny him the opportunity to re-enter the classroom. That not only has effects on students receiving the services they're promised through their IEPs once they've left the juvenile detention system, but it also has adverse consequences on the students when they actually do get to re-enter the classroom. Dimitri, at 21 years old, was initially placed in a ninth grade classroom. And I t actually told the person, you know, this is, this is unacceptable. <laughs> you know, this is, this is crazy. How, I mean, a 21-year-old student is in, a, is in a class with, basically with kids. You know, I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to be around my own peers, you know, at my own age. As I'm talking to Dimitri, 
and even though this experience is, is behind him at this point, you can still see that it has an effect on him. His demeanor changes slightly when he talks about it, and the feeling is still very much raw. To be honest with you, I felt very, very embarrassed. I felt embarrassed, you know. I felt humiliated, you know. Um, it's it's terrible. It's 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 sad how how the the school system is. It still vexes me that a federal mandate is trumped like this on a regular basis. Okay, so maybe we can blame it on the lack of infrastructure in our government, but even with that, there's a paper trail, right? To no one's, or maybe many people's, surprise, there's a bias at play. Claire explains. A lot of the attention has gone to younger students, um, students who are sort of more traditional um, and under age 18. But students who are over age 18 still have special education rights. And what we found was that a lot of these students' rights weren't being enforced. Um, This has to do in some ways with um, them being involved in the justice system, but this also has to do with their being um, over age 18. And so they may not fit into the traditional um, definition of what a student is in a lot of people's minds. You know, they're not that cute eight-year-old student um, or even that 13-year-old who's getting involved for the first time in the juvenile justice system. What that means is that, unfortunately, even though these students still have rights, um, they don't get enforced, and the advocacy movements um, behind enforcing them just really aren't there. Yet Dimitri kept his resolve. I admit that as a 21-year-old, I would have never made it in a ninth-grade classroom for a few hours, let alone days and weeks. I kept praying, you know. I kept praying. I stayed humble, and I stayed patient. You know, you got to have patience in this world. You know, every action doesn't deserve a reaction. You know, um, you have to, you have to, you have to be humble. You have to be humble, and you have to stay focused. You know, keep your eyes on the prize. You know, at the, you know, at the end of a dark tunnel, it's always a light. You know, and you, and you just have to, you have to stay focused, man. That's all. As I'm listening to Dimitri, I keep thinking to myself, no wonder people quit. This is ridiculous, frustrating to probably the most patient person out there. The very system that was set up to protect Dimitri failed him on numerous levels and occasions, not once or twice, but over and over and over. This is why the School Justice Project exists, to take those prayers and turn them into reality, to keep our students from going back to the detention centers. We definitely have an eye toward how our legal representation does affect recidivism or reconviction rates. Our sort of theory of change is that through access to legal counsel um, in special education cases, uh, that our clients will be able to access the special education system and through that um, educational opportunity. The idea is that if If we can use education in a way, or special education law in a way that will give them access to the system, then there won't be um, as high recidivism rates or reconviction rates. Um, Our clients, you know, at the end of year one, um, we had a 4% reconviction rate. I think nationally it's something like 88% um, or 80%. So obviously there's something that's working as far as uh, this model. We've largely focused on individual representation in this episode, what School Justice Project does for those looking to enforce their education rights. 
But what about the larger systemic issue at hand? How does the organization fight for changes from the bottom up so individual representation becomes secondary and hopefully a much rarer occurrence? We see it as uh, an all-systems approach. Um, we definitely want to work with the school systems and the justice systems to address some of these like long-standing gaps. So what we're trying to do is, is really align all of the agencies by having clients like Dimitri identify where the gaps are. We also do work with clients if they have pending criminal cases or um, subsequent criminal cases. We work with their defense attorneys on um, sentencing outcomes and uh, you know we'll write sentencing memos and talk to the judges about what we can get put in place through the special education system rather than the criminal justice system because we don't think that any client would be served um, better by a criminal justice system focused approach, right? And if there is money that it's been allocated through the special education system and there are these services that can be put in place, we're ready to go find them and put them in place and, and make sure that more clients can be returned to the community instead of getting incarcerated. As it turns out, Dimitri's case has influenced more than just the D.C. public school system. Just recently, Secretary of Education Arne Duncan and Attorney General Eric Holder announced a guidance package for correctional and reentry education for youth involved in the juvenile justice system. According to the School Justice Project's blog, states and local agencies can use this guidance to improve the quality of educational services for confined youth, including during their transition back to the community. Dimitri's feedback to the Juvenile Reentry Committee is one piece that helped make that happen. This blows my mind. There's real change happening as a result of this teeny tiny nonprofit. School Justice Project has a staff of only three people, Claire, her co-founder Sarah Como, and newly hired staff attorney Rachel Russo. Suffice to say, they are busy. School or client meetings for part of the day, meet with teachers, court hearings, fixing the email client at the office and technology to keep everything running administratively, design the School Justice Project website, fundraising, this grew out of a two-year fellowship at the Public Defender Service, and that's where Sarah and I met. Um, and so it, running our own nonprofit has been, uh, it's been a <laughs> big learning experience, um, especially because the two of us did not have a background in organizational management. But we are lucky to um, be working with organizations like Fair Chance. Um, and through Fair Chance, which helps with capacity building, and through Echo and Green and Open Society Foundations, we've had advisors to help sort of walk us through um, the startup process. But uh, no day is the same, and we're lucky to have clients like Dimitri who have helped us sort of shape our um, organization and what we see as our client representation model. We get a lot of feedback from our clients. Um, a lot of our referrals actually come from our clients as well and, and teachers and case managers. Um, and so we've been able to really uh, spend some time working, uh, spend the past two years really working on what we wanted School Justice Project to look like and, and where we see ourselves headed over the next year, two years, five years. As you've heard, Dimitri has helped shape a lot of the direction of School Justice Project where they need to focus time, where some of the stickier problems are, how to navigate the system. He's been a huge part of the organization's journey over the past year and a half. But what's he up to now? I am a student today as, 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 we, as we speak. You know, um, I go to Kingsbury Private School. It's the best school I've ever been to in my life. 
you know. So I'm I'm doing good. I'm I'm doing I'm doing I'm doing excellent, you know. I want I just want to I just want to keep proceeding, you know, do right, keep doing what I'm doing, you know, and I just want to I just want to give back, you know, to the youth, you know. That's my goal. Dimitri's giving back isn't just a future goal. He's doing it right here and right now with his fellow students, some of which are also involved with the school justice project. I talk to my peers, you know, I get them great advice, you know, and they do take heed to what I'm saying out of my mouth, you know. And, you know, it be, it be, it be times that, you know, it be rough, you know, because every day is not perfect, you know, and I, 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 just, I just give them that advice. And, you know, at the end of the day, they have a smile on their face. They come in with an with a angry face, but they leave with a smile, you know. So, so I, I feel as though I am doing my job as a student and as a mentor for the, for the youth that's younger than me. But what about personally? Where can we expect to see Dimitri in a few years? And, long, and my long-term goal is to become a civil rights attorney. I'm going to be sitting in a law firm, you know, and I hope that I can insert and, and, and enforce <laughs> different laws. That's my plan. You know, I, it's, it's, time, it's time to make a change, especially for the juvenile system, the school system, you know, because it's, it's crazy how the system is just, is, is just, doing, our, just doing our youth, man. You know, and it's, and it's time for a change. True to his passion, after I finished asking all of my questions and right before I turned off the mic, Dimitri felt compelled to say a little bit more, completely unprompted. And you know what? After about an hour of talking to him and Claire... I just let the recorder keep running because it's become obvious to me at this point that he's come to the realization that he has been silenced for far too long. You know, for the youth out there, you know, just, you know, don't panic, you know, stay focused, man. Stay humble, man. Be patient, man, because your time is coming, you know, uh, you know, get a get a great lawyer that's going to stick by your side through thick and thin, you know, um, just stay focused, man, you know, because... It, the, the world is yours. We are the future, you know. We are the future, man, you know. And it's time it's, it's time for a change, man. You know, that's all I want to say, man. That's all. For more information on the School Justice Project, you can check out the website. That's right, the one that Claire designed herself at www.schooljusticeproject.org. And hopefully you'll like the design. I'm learning. You can also reach them at info at sjpdc.org. That's sjpdc.org. Thanks once again to listening to another episode of Education on Tap. A reminder that you can subscribe to us on iTunes or on SoundCloud. Just search for Education on Tap. And you can follow us on Twitter at Teach for America, hashtag Education on Tap. As I said at the beginning of this show, if you have an idea of something that you want us to talk about or you want to dig a little bit more into what we talked about today, I'm always open to hearing your ideas. Shoot me an email at educationontap at teachforamerica.org or just tweet at me directly using the hashtag educationontap and I'm at Aaron Mofo French. That's it for us this week. Until next time, have a great weekend, y'all.